Welcome to Sparks of History. Joining us today is Sasha Reutemann Dratwa, the CEO of the Combat Anti-Semitism Movement and previously the head of advocacy at the World Jewish Congress. Uh, thank you for being with us today, Mr. Reutemann. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for receiving me. Just to get started, what is the Combat Anti-Semitism Movement and what are your current efforts in the aftermath of the October 7th massacre and the current war? Yes, thank you for the question. The Combat Anti-Semitism Movement is a platform uh, for building coalitions, uh, coalitions from across the world in different levels. We build organization partnerships uh, between interfaith non-Jewish organization and Jewish organizations, where we believe this is where we can make uh, the greatest impact. Uh, Jews on their own cannot win this fight. So this is the first understanding that we have in our organization. Second, we build leaders coalitions um, from the level of mayors and municipal leaders. Recently, and I will speak about it in a minute, uh, we had a mayor conference both in Dortmund in Florida, where we bring mayors from North America and Europe to discuss solutions on fighting anti-Semitism uh, in cities. And we're working on a grassroots level uh, to engage with as many as possible people for different campaigns, actions, and advocacy campaigns that we, we love to do. Um, the last step is everything that we do is under the umbrella of a research center. We have a research center that provides us data, uh, which is turned into data, data advocacy. So everything that we deal with is starting from data and information that allow us to understand the reality of what's happening and not just sentiment, of feelings, so we are able really to identify uh, trends where anti-Semitism is moving, changing, different forms, different formats. Uh, at the end, the aid of Jews is always in the center, but uh, you have different ideology associating themselves with uh, anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, so we try to define them, to find them, and then to react. Uh, to your question about October 7, what has changed? So everything has changed. The first step as an interfaith coalition, we see that we lose a lot of allies that we were thinking that are our friends, that haven't stood up for the Jewish people, that haven't speak out. But on the other hand, we have new friends. We have people that defend human rights values across the world, and they see that what happened on October 7 is not acceptable. It's not acceptable to see what happened in the street of Europe in the United States, and it's not acceptable what happened on campuses, place of freedom of belief and, and freedom of, of thoughts, uh, which have been... Uh, definitely not uh, accepted in the past year. So um, once we lost friends, second, we have new friends. Now, we have a big battle in front of us, and this is what we see of creating legitimacy for Israel to do its job uh, as much as possible. So from a perspective of advocacy um, that was dealing only with Jewish communities worldwide, now we're dealing also with the Jewish community of Israel, which was in some case disconnected from our work uh, because we, I'm Israeli, but organization, the American organization, we never had to protect Israel. Uh, Israel had its own army, and now the Jewish community of Israel is also under threats uh, from Hamas this time. Um, so we need to help the Jewish community of Israel to defend itself like we help any community. So we adapt ourselves based on the needs globally. As a global organization, we look at every place where there is a Jew and a Jew attack as anti-Semitic attack. So the attacks on Jews in Israel are anti-Semitic attack, and we try 
we need to demonstrate to the world the nature of October 7 attack, which is an anti-Semitic attack, and not just a conflict zone, which we, we deeply believe it's not, especially when you see support across the world. So we do a lot of work on campuses, uh, and I think that we, we have been helping a little bit with the airing that we saw last week um, in the Congress. I think that was a very important move. And we see with the president of UPenn that resigned, and we see the pressure on Harvard and MIT and other universities. So we're going to work very hard uh, in this space, not to pull on to uh, resign and everything. This is a process, the long-term process. So the resigning is, first of all, I don't think we need to celebrate. There's so many judicial organizations that celebrate. It's a dark moment in the American history of universities. Um, the support of the United States and the fact that excellency has disappeared from the language of our universities it's a problem. So the fact that we have a president that needs to resign because of a mistreatment of some of the students, it's a very sad episode in America and not a celebration because I see many Jewish advocacy organizations that are celebrating this. No, we are not celebrating. It's something that has to be done, but we are very sad that we get to this point. And by the way, it's something that we've been saying for the past decade. So, so, so we you, are... you, you weren't surprised. You weren't surprised by the events that happened on college campuses or maybe surprised by the no surprise. In, intensity of it. How, how did we get here? How did college campuses get to this point? And if you can speak a little bit more about what exactly you're trying to do now on, on the college campuses. So I think the, the problem, there are a few sources, and I think that the more you speak with organizations, they can identify other sources. But the main ones that I can identify directly, uh, the funding. The funding is in many places dictating the tones and the strategies and what a university wants to do. So when you have all the Middle East studies university that receive billions of dollars, and I think that one of the Jewish group uh, did a research, they're speaking about $7 billion in the past decades that came into the American system, uh, a university system of Ivy Leagues, only Ivy Leagues, uh, on this topic from Qatar. Now, these fundings create an appoint. They first appoint a professor that will lead them. So they bring their own ideology. They allow certain discussion, research. Then they build buildings. They bring students. Uh, obviously, you have agreements of students between the country. And um, then universities are compromising a little bit on their values. That's the first step. So you have a compromising values because of funding. Then you have everything related to trying to make university universal for everyone. Which is a good, uh, which is a good thing to do, but then they compromise on excellency um, for the sake of uh, bringing more voices in the student bodies to bring more people. But it doesn't mean that everyone that are today in university system are answering, uh, responding to excellency that the American system has built. Uh, and I think that if we try to bring back the values of the American soft power from university, is is making sure that the excellency is the top and number one value that will make and accept students, will make accept funding, will make accept everything that the university is standing for to make sure to protect the world of universities in America. I think the progressive world has been, which is a wonderful value, progressive values and have nothing against them, but they went too far by accepting everything um, and not judging the excellencies of everyone and excellence is everything for us. Uh, 
because when you have an excellent person in your way of life and your academic process, then probably you will you will be a good person. And I think that the university model of the United States created in the past excellent human beings, excellent leaders, excellent professors. And today a bit less uh, because they compromised to type into this narrative of oppressor and, and uh, oppressed and putting uh, Jews uh, as oppressors. Um, and the American university system and the European one as well. So let's not just look at America as one problem. Uh, they offer more space uh, for the oppressors and they put on the side the, 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 the opposite or the oppressed and the oppressors on the side. Now they decide who's the, who is the oppressor and the oppressed. And, you know, <laughs> I'm living in Israel, kind of, I see what is an oppressor and obsessed and oppressed. Like we're fighting here in Israel since day one when the country was created for education of our families, for pushing our, our society forward. Even now after October 7, the Israeli society wants to succeed. They want the, the high tech industry to grow. They want the university to go back on track. And as a father, I'm always thinking, I have two kids and I'm thinking, oh, what I'm telling them about the conflict. And it's a big struggle in my mind because I don't want to create more hatred. And I was thinking the other day, what a Palestinian father is telling to his kids, to the Jews, to like the Jews, don't pay attention, deal with your life, grow, and let's build a better world. And I probably sure that you all know the answer. They're not thinking like us, or at least not like me. So this is the big difference. We try here in Israel to build a society of peace, um, a society of uh, creativity, of exchange, uh, as well we respect our own values and history. Uh, while on the other side, we have totally the opposite. Uh, and we have a society that tries to educate uh, for hatred and others. I will just get to a, a last point. We speak a lot now these days about who's going to lead uh, the Gaza rebuilding system. Uh, and we speak a lot about the Palestinian Authority. And I have to say to everyone, the moment that you're going to have street names representing terrorists, we, not, we cannot let anyone to lead another Gaza to get to the same point that, than what it was before. The Palestinian Authority is not equipped uh, today to lead a society for good. It's not equipped to help the Palestinian people to get out of the terror system and circle they've been uh, through in the past 75 years. And we need to find another way uh, for the Palestinian people to be educated and to put the terror on the side and to stop. To stop. He starts from the streets, then he moves to educational and curriculum, then he moves to a university system that has been used by Hamas and by the PA for their own propaganda. And I really, really hope that we're going to see this time as an opportunity, both here in the Middle East. Now we destruct and we eradicate Hamas. The world should see it. And many, many leaders see it. See it. This is why, beside the UN, you know, the world is not screaming stop and call for ceasefire. So we have calls here and there. But at the end of the day, the world understands that Hamas should be eradicated. And hopefully this will impact also Europe and United States and the university system that... It's been, it's gone too far. Now we need to find something in the middle. Like we're not going to change back to what it was before, like 50 years ago. I don't know that we want that, but we need to find a place where Jews will be accepted again, like, like any other minority. And we are a minority. 
uh, that the Zionism is a part of the Jewish identity in college, in college campuses. So this is one of the biggest uh, items that we are fighting for, um, that Zionism is a part of the Jewish identity. Uh, this is why we're praying throughout Jerusalem in the past 3,000 years. So now you want to remove the direction of the prayers from who we are. That doesn't make sense. That's a Jewish value. That's not a Zionist, uh, uh, post-Zionism value. That's just, the Zionism is simple, uh, our own history. And I think the fight here is kind of allowing Jews to be Zionists without having any, any criticism of Zionism. I think that this is very important and this is protected under Title VI. So we're fighting for that, to not have Jews attacked based on their uh, on their own history and values. Um, and this is who we are. We are Jews, we are Zionism. And we are Zionists and I think we should be accepted period, and not debate that anymore. Um, so that will be a big fight for us in the next months to make sure that the Jewish and Zionist identity are recognized as one uh, and not be challenged. Um, and hopefully to make sure that slogan like from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which are called for genocide, intifada, intifada, call for genocide, will not be accepted. And if you remember me in the hearing of the presidents uh, in Congress, they were all saying, depends on the context text. So the context of October 7 was very clear. They want to commit a genocide against Jews. You have the context, period, don't allow this uh, slogan on campuses and understand that the context is important. I understand freedom of speech as being one of the most important values of the American society. But when you have the context from October 7, then you need, you need to stop. Now, I will just end by saying you didn't need October 7 to have the context. It was in the book, in the chart of Hamas. It was in the payment that the, the Palestinian Authority was giving to terrorists. It was everywhere. The context existed before. Now, they needed the proof that you have them. Now, it's time to change. And hopefully, the world will see this as an opportunity uh, to change, to rebuild a Palestinian society, to regain the control of our university system, and also to regain the control of the Jewish identity and to be pro-Jews, pro-Zionist without any, any questioning about the Jewish identity uh, because the world has been questioning us too much and we need to regain this debate inside the Jewish community and outside. Just, just tell me just a little bit in conclusion, a little bit about the activities with the non-Jewish world and especially with the Muslim Islamic world. Yes. It's a very challenging uh, discussion because we have many partners that these days they are under threats and they don't want to speak out, but they send us messaging and they are communicating with us and we understand them totally. We don't want to uh, risk their life. But the other end, we have wonderful leaders that we're working with and I will use some example. Uh, we've been working the past years to build relationships with different organizations in the United States, uh, Muslim organization. We have a Muslim woman organization called AMWEC. Uh, was led by a lady called Anila Ali. Uh, she went to a delegation to Israel 10 days ago. We we brought her with seven other Muslim women um, that came here. They visit the South. They met with victims. They met with families of hostages. They met with the uh, First Lady of Israel, the wife of the President, and other, uh, other people. And the support they share was amazing. And they scream and they were out there saying, this is not in our name. This is not in the name of Islam. Uh, we have very good relationship with uh, friends in the in Dubai and other places in Abu Dhabi and Dubai that are speaking with us. 
uh, that we have met recently uh, in the post-October 7, they just don't want to go public too much at this stage because they, they don't want to face the threat. And I think this is one of the main, the main problem, that we have a lot of Muslim voices ready to support Israel, but the intimidation that they need to go through right now to speak out publicly, it's very hard, it's very big, and it's dangerous. So that, these are more on the public uh, leadership, but you will find some of them that are not worried, they speak out, they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook, and are very impressive. So uh, I think that one element that the Jewish world needs to learn is to protect our allies. Uh, we're asking them to protect us, but we don't stand up for them enough when they need. And this is really what will change for us uh, on the post-October 7, because we took some relationship too much for granted. Uh, we lost some friends, not because of us, by the way, uh, really not. But we want to make sure that our friends know that we are here for them, because some of them have been here for us. The fact they came here, they supported us was amazing. Now, the Islamist world uh, has been divided, first between the Shi and the Sunni, uh, which is clear. Um, with the Shi, Shi leaders, it's very hard to find good allies any place in the world. Uh, they are smaller. And the Sunni, you have the modern uh, Arab nations uh, that you don't see huge anti-Israeli demonstration. You see a control of the regime that wants to be pro-Western world, pro-Israel. Um, they don't speak out, but you see a very big change in the leadership of the Arab world. Uh, obviously, the street is more pro-Palestinian. We totally understand the street is totally anti-Semitic, and we totally understand, but there is a change. The media is not bad as it was in previous conflicts, so we really see more criticism of what Hamas did and the support of Hamas received. In many cases, because it's not in the name of Islam, it went too far. Hamas went too far uh, in his ISIS Nazi uh, pogrom they committed. And even against ISIS, most of the Muslim world was against ISIS. So I think that when the real face of Hamas was revealed to the world, then the world didn't accept it. Now, we have the streets, and the street is more complicated than us. They don't really understand. And we, I remember seeing this video of this lady, from the mountain to the sea, Palestine would be free. And like they don't know what they speak about. And this is education, education, education. I believe that most of Muslims in the world don't believe in the crimes of October 7. Uh, we feel very frustrated that they didn't speak out. And we feel that they should have, in this time of history, speak much more. Uh, but yes, the Islamic uh, border, uh, Muslim border world is still very present, very strong, uh, control the narrative, export the conflict. Um, so we see a lot of social media playing a big role uh, there to enrage uh, the streets, and this is why the street is different than the leaders. Um, and I believe at the end of the day, if we can control a bit more social media narrative, and I think that the, today is not about freedom of speech because we have Jewish attacks, it's about protecting Jewish life across the world and uh, Western values as well. They need to play a role to not allow hate speech to be everywhere, and it is everywhere. Um, I'm still an optimist uh, person. This is my... I was going to ask if you're pessimistic or optimistic, but you, you just said... I, I cannot know. be otherwise, uh, right. because if not, we lose the battle. And this is my age, my generation. We need to fight. 
we need to finalize, but we cannot be naive anymore. And I think that more, many people have been naive about the Hamas charter, about these pro-Palestinian organization campuses. They didn't listen to their slogan. They didn't believe that from the world to action, uh, it's possible to do that. And we cannot accept anymore. In any level of our society, hate against Jews. We have been trying to convince, we've tried to explain, we don't need to convince, we don't need to explain. We don't accept, period. Uh, uh, zero tolerance narrative should be implemented from the Jewish organization. From a simple criticism of Zionism to a direct attack on Jews, we cannot accept any level of anti-Semitism in any level of our society. So that's the first change that we need to see in every Jewish organization. So I'm an optimist, but I know that the tools that we've been using have to change. The hearing on Congress, we needed to wait so long to have it, uh, to put, like, we shouldn't wait anymore. Something is happening, we need to bring people um, and to judge them, and they need to respond to what they allow to happen in their campuses. Um, like what we've seen, and I'm speaking for Europe and United States, but the violation of their own citizens. Uh, these are Americans or Europeans, are under attack, they should be protected, period. It's not a question of a freedom of speech. These people don't feel safe. And safety, it's a basic human right. Um, and I think that this is really need, needs to change. And I believe at the end of our history until now, the good side of history has won. If not, we'll not have been here as Jews, especially as Jews. Now, the price that we paid in our history was very, very heavy. Uh, I think that we we can work together to not pay any any similar price, and I think that the price that we pay from October seven till today was the heaviest price that we are ready to pay in our modern history, and we shouldn't accept any more dead Jew uh, around the world, including in Israel. And we need to fight together. Um, I hope that the world we choose again the right side of history. Uh, maybe it will be painful uh, in Europe when we have uh, massive. Uh, Muslim immigration, Islamist immigration that is controlling the debate and the narrative on Israel and the Jewish identity. Uh, but the European nations needs to wake up. Uh, they need to stand up for their own values, Western values. Um, and to have a strong message of hope, even to the immigration population, you want to stay, we don't mind. But this is our, our rules. And this is what we don't want you to cross. If you want to cross them, you're welcome to go back in your country. But this is We've been like, Europe has suffered, United States has suffered from wars to build what they have today. We don't need another war in our countries, um, in our societies. And I think since the World War II, the Western world has proved to welcome more ideology, has proved that it can change, it can adapt itself, but it cannot compromise uh, anymore. I think that there are values that need to be respected, the, Ju the Judeo-Christian values uh, from the Western world. Uh, which represent evolution, revolution, uh, creativity, and respect. And everyone have a place in all societies. I really believe you can be a religious Jew. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Jew myself, and we're going to the synagogue in Brussels, and we're praying for our country, the Austin country. Every week on Shabbat, we have a prayer for Belgium because they were hosting the Jews, and we're grateful for that. And I hope that every uh, immigrants in every hosting country will do the same, will respect the country that is hosting their religion, their belief, their identity, 
And I think that we can build a better world. But for that, we need to fight. It, it, that's nice walls. Like, this is all we do as Jews. And this is why I think that we, we don't deserve anything because we're really respecting the places where we go. And something that I've seen in the American jury, they are first American and then they are Jews. They are pro-Americans, proud. They are Jewish Americans, American Jews, and it's beautiful because they respect, they love the flag, they love the flag of the United States, they love the Constitution. And hopefully more immigrants can see how Jews have been integrated in different societies because they've been fighting for their own identity and for their hosting countries. And I think this is key for success. The new immigration should learn about the old immigration to see how they did it. Um, and not to be jealous, not to attack them uh, for their success, to see how they made it. Because they can learn from us and they can all succeed if they try to see how hard we fight to be where we are. And we're going to continue to fight harder. And hopefully Jews, young generation, older generation will be joining us in this fight um, and continue and and be strong. I think that we need strong Jews uh, that will not compromise on their values and their identity. Uh, we'll continue to study, to go in this Ivy League uh, university, continue to fight. Education is a key of everything, Jewish education, academic education, every education is important in our values. And it's really what we believe in. Uh, and we're going to continue and build more allies and friendship with uh, non-Jewish partners. So this is a, a lot of uh, of our work. So <laughs> I share a little bit of my vision, my work. Absolutely. More questions. Okay. No, I, I think, um, again, this has been um, very insightful and um, and hopeful, um, you know, optimistic and hopeful and um, combat anti-Semitism movement. Uh, led by Sasha Reutemann Dratra. And again, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.